when owners complain about operating expenses for an NFL, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball team, what they don't account for is the future exit price. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. I'm your host, Andrew Brandt. We are ably produced by one Brian Neal. Music you hear under us from my son, musical producer, Sam Brandt. We are sponsored, as always, presented by DraftKings. we got a lot of rants today. It's a busy time in my world, the business of sports, a lot of NFL, but also got some golf stuff to talk about. As you know, as you listen to that word golf, you know there's a competing tour out there that's making a lot of waves. We'll get to that as well. I'm going to talk about Aaron Donald, the new extension, and answer the question that everyone has for me, how do the Rams do it under the salary cap? I'm going to talk about continuing problems for Deshaun Watson, for the NFL, for the Browns, maybe even for the Texans. You want to hear that. You want to hear my take on what's going to happen to Deshaun Watson. But we start today's Brant's Rants edition of the Business of Sports all about a big, big, big purchase. The Denver Broncos, valued by Forbes as the ninth most valuable franchise in the NFL, have sold. And the price is staggering, $4.65 billion, $4.65 billion. The winner of the sweepstakes for the Denver Broncos is Rob Walton. Yes, Walton, meaning Walton Walmart family. He has now become not only the owner of the Denver Broncos, but the richest NFL owner, period, with net worth, depending on what you read, probably up to $60 billion dollars. So I handicapped this a few weeks ago with a group of bidders that included Josh Harris, the owner of the Sixers and the New Jersey Devils, who's worth a few billion dollars. Uh, There were the Ishbia brothers, who were the mortgage lending family. And of course, there was Todd Boley, who owns the Dodgers and just acquired Chelsea for a staggering $5.2 billion dollars. And Clear Lake Lake Capital, but they were all in it, but they're losers now because it goes to Walton. Walton is, of course, the Walmart family. He's going to run it with his son or purchase it with his son-in-law, Greg Penner, who's married to his daughter. So it's all in the family. And now, let me just get this out right away. He is brother-in-law of Stan Kroenke, the L.A. Rams owner, who married Ann Walton, sister of Rob Walton. So now we have two owners in the Walton family, the Walmart family in the NFL, and they are the first and third wealthiest owners in the NFL. Who's number two? Well, that's the owner of the most recent purchase in the NFL before the Broncos. That's the Carolina Panthers owner, hedged fund mogul, David Tepper. So now the two most recent purchases in the NFL represent the two most rich, for lack of a better word, owners. Rob Walton and David Tepper coming in right after them is Rob Walton's brother-in-law, Stan Kroenke. I'll have much more on him and the Rams later in this podcast. But wow, this really goes to my theory about selecting ownership in the NFL and, for that matter, other sports leagues. There's a lot of vetting going on. So taking you inside the process, you may have a situation where, the first of all, the the seller, Carolina Panthers, Denver Broncos, hires an investment bank. The investment bank goes through the vetting process, solicits bids, 
and narrows the field considerably before they present the whittled list to the NFL. Then NFL finance gets its hooks involved and sees what can go on. Then NFL owners start politicking for the bidding groups that they're close to, that they vouch for, that they politic for. But here's the bottom line. It's the bottom line. Owners are going to look for who has the most substantial funds as long as they're not <laughs> in some egregious criminal activity. They want someone at the table who has substantial resources as their partners. These groups are brethren. So you're looking for these massive, massive amounts of wealth that can help them through anything they want to get through. That's going to be a key factor. Now, the NFL, unlike the NBA, and other sports leagues does not, I repeat, does not allow corporate ownership, does not allow private equity ownership. So they want individuals at the table. Now, as these franchise prices keep going up, the field is lessened. The number of potential bidders really goes down when you're talking about individuals with this kind of worth. But there's no shortage of interested billionaires in this kind of asset. And we saw that with the final group of bidders for the Broncos. I think it really came down to Rob Walton and Clear Lake Capital. Again, Todd Boley, who has these massive resources and is co-owner of the Dodgers and now owner of Chelsea and still had money for this. But it goes to Walton. Walton becomes the richest owner in the NFL. Walton is going to make his debut, I would believe, at the owners' meetings coming in the fall. This still has to go through vetting and total approval and everything else. It's just a report right now. But the Broncos have said this sale is going through. It's a massive number. $4.65 billion is basically twice the purchase price of the most recent sale, which is David Tepper, as I mentioned, the Carolina Panthers, went for $2.275 billion. Owners want someone that can write the check. I am told by reliable sources that, speaking of the Carolina Panthers sale, there were bids up to $2.5 billion, but it went to Tepper for $2.275 billion because he could, quote unquote, write the check. Can Rob Walton write the check for 465? I don't know, but he can write something pretty close where other owners would have a hard time writing that check because their total net worth is not even $5 billion. That's a big factor in all this. It's not rocket science. The bottom line is the bottom line. We have a new owner of the Broncos, Rob Walton. And I think the side note here, bearing the lead, is that Two of the three wealthiest owners in the NFL are related. <laughs> They're from the Walmart family. So the top of the food chain in NFL ownership might as well reside at Walmart. Indeed, the penthouse at Walmart. That's the Denver Broncos sale. Last note on that, the Russell Wilson trade. It is really hard to quantify how much acquiring Russell Wilson meant to this ownership price, but it certainly didn't hurt. So if the Broncos were worth X before acquiring Russell Wilson, they're worth a lot X plus. If I were going to hazard a guess, maybe the addition of Russell Wilson is worth 50 to $100 million in total value. The final point I'll make is this represents continued ascendance and trajectory north of franchise values in sports, not only in the NFL, throughout sports. We have a new bid for the Portland Trailblazers, who are probably one of the lowest valued NBA teams with Phil Knight for over $2 billion. We have all these billion dollar bidding processes going on in major sports. 
Here's my point. When owners complain about operating expenses for an NFL, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball team, what they don't account for is the future exit price. These prices are ascending. They're skyrocketing of these asset values. Now you have NFL asset values of $4.65 billion. Every NFL owner is smiling ear to ear because this will affect their purchase price. What has not ascended at the same level of franchise values is player compensation. I don't know how much player compensation is going up, but it's nowhere near the rate that NFL, NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball franchise values are going up. Nowhere near. So when you get into collective bargaining situations, you hear about 50% this and 60% that, and they're trying to figure out the revenue split and then little issues about uh, luxury taxes and, and in baseball, we just had the two plus player and arbitration. That's just pennies on the dollar compared to what these owners are going to get when they exit. Now, again, a lot of these families are never going to exit. You have in the NFL, a lot of family owned businesses like the Browns owning the Bengals, the Brown family, like the Spanos family owning the Chargers, the Kraft family owning the Patriots, the Lurie family owning the Eagles, and so on and so on. They're not going to be for sale. But the asset values are just skyrocketing compared to player compensation. So if you get in a collective bargaining agreement and represent the players, try bringing up, okay, we'll agree to that, but we want a piece, even a small piece, of franchise value exit sale prices. That would shut down negotiations in a heartbeat. Over. Done. That's not going to happen. So there you are. Okay. Next rant. Now that we left the Broncos, I hope you got a lot out of that. The next rant I want to get to is the Rams. Now that we just talked about Stan Kroenke, let's talk about it. First of all, Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald makes this request. Not request. Aaron Donald goes on a podcast a couple weeks ago and says, I'm at peace if I never play football again. And I'm like, okay. Then he says, it's business. And then he says, it's not about the money. And then I go, okay. Okay, I get it. It's not about the money, which means it's all about the money. <laughs> Show me the money. Aaron Donald signed a few years ago, averaged about $22, 23000000 million a year, which was extraordinary at the time. Highest number for defensive linemen by far. But the market passed him by. Joey Boza, 2020, $27 million a year. TJ Watt, 2021, $28 million a year. The market has passed him by. So he makes these comments. And what do the Rams do? They show him the money in a big way. To wit, he was supposed to make about $45 million or $50 million over the next three years. Now he's going to make $100 million over the next three years. It's been reported $95 million, but he got $5 million roster bonus in March. You add that on, it's $100 million over three, $33 million a year over the next three, $65 over two, $32.5. Basically, he's being paid not as one of the highest paid players in the, the highest, highest paid lineman in the NFL, one of the highest paid players in the NFL, including quarterbacks. Let's take that three-year number of about $100 million. Patrick Mahomes, three years of his new contract a couple years ago, $63 million. Josh Allen a couple years ago, first three years, $93 million. That's Aaron Donald's getting more. And it's interesting, the most recent NFL quarterback extension, which I talked about, is Derek Carr. 
exactly 99 or $100 million over three, he's getting the same. So we can look at two extensions done in the last month. They're getting the exact same, Derek Carr and Aaron Donald. Derek Carr's making Aaron Donald money. Aaron Donald's making Derek Carr money almost to the T. Carr gets about 58 over two. Uh, Donald gets about 64 over two. But there you go. That's a massive number for Aaron Donald. They showed him the money. He becomes one of the highest paid players in the history of the NFL at any position. And now we don't hear about him being at peace with not playing. He is at peace with playing for this massive amount of money. The bigger question in all this is the Rams. Okay, the Rams, everyone's asking, how do they do this? And this is where we have to explain a little salary cap 101 to you. I get frustrated talking about cap when everyone asks this because it's hard to explain and people still don't understand this. There is a big difference between cash and cap. Cash is real money, out the door, cold, hard, green cash. Cap is accounting. Okay, so let's get this straight. Cash is cash. Cap is accounting. So what the Rams are able to do is take advantage of this mechanism, some would say loophole in the NFL process, which basically allows for the NBA and NHL, Major League Baseball, they don't do this, allows for a proration of signing bonuses for cap purposes. So if you have a huge bonus, it's prorated over the life of the contract. The only cap charge for that year is the prorated amount. The only cash, the cash charge is going to be all the bonus, but the cap charge is going to be the prorated amount of the bonus. And then the Rams and other teams like the Cowboys are amass these huge cash over cap charges. In other words, spending a lot of more cash than the salary cap number but staying under the cap. Let's give an example on the Rams. This year, they extend Matthew Stafford on a four-year extension, now five-year deal, for $160 million. Stafford gets a signing bonus of $60 million. Stafford has a salary of $1.5 million. I'll say it again, 2022, signing bonus of $60 million, salary of $1.5 Okay, here's the quiz for the day on the Business of Sports podcast. What is Matthew Stafford's salary cap number? If you guess 13.5 million, you are correct. 12 million, five-year deal, 60 million, prorated 12 a year, 60 million bonus, 12 a year, 1.5 salary, 12 plus 1.5, $13.5 million. Again, Matthew Stafford, 60 million bonus, 1.5 salary, five-year deal, 12 million cap charge on the bonus, 1.5 on the salary, 13.5 million cap. Question number two, what is Matthew Stafford's cash charge for 2022? Answer, $61.5 million, 60 million bonus, 1.5 salary. Now, do some math, do some subtraction. What is Matthew Stafford's cash over cap charge in 2022? $48 million, right? 61.5 minus 13.5 equals $48 million. That's right, $48 million cap charge. I'm sorry, cash over cap charge. That shows you what the Rams are doing. This is one player. 
out of 60. One player is making 48 million cash over cap. So they have Matthew Stafford at a 13.5 cap number while he's making $61 million. Think about that. And that's what the Rams are doing. That's what the Rams are doing. There's been talk in the past, especially from small market owners that don't have these kind of cash resources that someone like Stan Kroenke has, to cap cash over cap. But those talks never go that far because the big market owners like Jerry Jones, like Robert, like, like Stan Kroenke would say, no, we're not doing that. The whole idea of proration of bonuses allows us to do this. So they're doing it. So how do the Rams do this? Well, this is a big way they do this. Now, they amass dead charges because if you have a situation where you have to separate from a player, all the unamortized bonus comes forward on the contract. For instance, say some reason, I know you don't think it's possible, but in two years, they want to separate, trade, get rid of Matthew Stafford. They would accelerate four years of the $12 million a year and make $48 million dead money charge. They already have the second highest dead money charge, third highest in the league history, with Jared Goff at $21 million this year while they paid Matthew Stafford $20 million in cash. Again, Goff was not cash. He already got paid. Goff would cap of $21 million this year. Hopefully that's a good lesson of what the Rams are doing. Now, again, this only works if you have cash. They keep their, low ca their cap numbers low for the current year. They rack up uh, they worry about the, the future later. I was not like this. The Packers, you see, uh, the Packers, I was very much pay as you go. I believed in flexibility for the future. I didn't believe in all of this cash over cap. I tried to keep everything as equal as possible so it wouldn't have these terrible rainy days in the future. But hey, the Rams are going for it. The Packers are now operating this way. Of course, the Cowboys have always done this. And they're laughing all the way to the Super Bowl. So what can you say? Now, the only way this works still is you have to balance your cap with good draft picks. Now, the Rams have not had draft picks. This year's number one was Matthew Stafford. This year's number two and three were Von Miller, who's now on the Bills. Well, they've hit on low picks. I mean, one of them I represented, or I helped represent, who is Jordan Fuller, their safety. They're hitting on these low picks, the only picks they have, because you need them to balance out the cap. And they're doing a good job with that. So when general manager Les Snead says F these draft picks, he's not really meaning that because he needs them and he's done a good job with them and he has to have them. So there's a little less salary cap 101 in light of the Aaron Donald's extension. I answered this. I wrote about this on Sports Illustrated. I hope you all understand it. I hope this was a good lesson for you in the business of salary cap 101. Now about the business of DraftKings Sportsbook, you guys need to know this. You got to be ready for the NBA champs to get crowned. It's going to happen very soon. You got to join the finals action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers, you can make any $5 NBA bet, get 150 in free bets instantly. If you want to turn another small bet into big, pay, big payday during the NBA finals, do the same game parlay with DraftKings. Now, this NBA season, one customer plays a $5 same game parlay and one over 5,000. You can create your own parlay. You can buy multiple bets, like which team will win, total threes, total rebounds, and more, and boom, you have a shot in an even bigger payout. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Now use promo code ROSS, O-R-S-S. Make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals, get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code ROSS, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Let's get back to these rants. And obviously this one is, I've been doing a long time now. Deshaun Watson, reporting for my colleague, Jen, my former colleague at Sports Illustrated, Jenny Grantress on the New York Times yesterday. We hear about more and more negative, negative situations with Deshaun Watson. 66 is the number of massage therapists that he's contacted over the years. 24 is the number of lawsuits. And there's some details from the 24th lawsuit, which again, are not pretty talking about things that, you know, a pattern of, of Deshaun Watson wanting work, if you call it work, around his private parts with these massage therapists. I'll kind of leave it at that. It's not a good look. And these dribs and drabs keep coming out about Deshaun Watson, about what he did negatively. We continue to wait for the NFL to impose discipline. They have interviewed Watson. We think that's coming probably before training camp. I would think certainly before training camp as Watson is practicing right now with the Cleveland Browns. All right, here's what I want to say. People have actually asked me, Andrew, you see there are bad people all over the NFL. People have signed drunks and sexual abusers and all this stuff. Why do you have a, such a negative attitude on Watson and the Browns? And here's my answer. It's because of the contract and the commitment. It's one thing to sign someone of low character. It's one thing to sign someone with sexual uh, fence issues. It's one thing to sign someone like this in a down-the-line role on our team, in a low-risk contract. It's another thing to sign the face of the franchise and, of course, the biggest contract in the history of the sport with this guy. That's why I'm hard on the Browns. That's why I get down on the Browns. They sold their soul for this player. I've stated that over and over again. Forget even the fact that they made this year's salary the minimum. I know people say, well, they've done that for other players. They haven't done that for other players facing certain suspension. Sure, they did it for Amari Cooper. They did it, pick your name. They did it for Nyoku, the tight end recently. But they haven't done it for players facing certain suspension, where even if Deshaun Watson is out for the whole year, he's still going to make almost $45 million, which he got in a signing bonus from the Browns. The Browns are quiet about everything. What they really want to say is, hey, we can never get a player like this. Ascending young quarterbacks with productivity never hit the market. We did what we had to do. The PR is bad, but it'll die down. But now I don't think it'll die down for quite a while, and he may not even play this year. Do I think he'll get suspended all year? I don't know. I thought maybe eight games, but now you have the Trevor Bauer to your uh, suspension in baseball. You have these drips and drabs keep coming out. You have this this sort of blind attitude of the uh, of the Browns. And now new information that the Texans set him up at the Houstonian to have fitness and to have a room and all those kind of things, which again brings up all kinds of issues where the Texans complicit in this, that a security guy give him an NDA for women to sign. Did they pay for something over the Houstonian, which would be a salary cap violation that would incur sanctions such as lost draft picks. What is going on here? So the reporting is going to continue to come. And listen, is the NFL going to do something with this new information? It's not that different than the old information. It's not different than 22 lawsuits that talk about the same patterns with Watson, which are he, uh, you know, used his own little hand towel, didn't want the towel. He asked them to work on his uh, private regions. He didn't go to 
any team therapists. He just reached out on Instagram. Some of these women weren't even licensed massage therapists. I mean, it's just a, obviously he was looking for more than massages. And, you know, that's who they signed up. That's who the Browns signed up to be the face of the franchise and to make 46 million a year more than everyone. Pick a name. Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Josh Moore, Pat Mahomes, all these guys. He's the top. And I've said this before. I, who look out for player rights throughout business of sports, and the NFL especially, always wondered who's going to be the white whale. Who's going to be that guy that gets a fully guaranteed deal, just like the NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, rock solid guarantees? And the guy is Deshaun Watson, who every day we're reading more negative about. This is a problem. What is going on here? So to me, the NFL has to do this. The NFL is obviously trying to appeal to women. The NFL is trying to present since way back. I mean, the NFL gave Ray Rice an indefinite suspension after the second video came out. Now, luckily for Watson, there's no video here. The Emmy gave, gave Roethlisberger uh, six games for actions with one woman. Ezekiel Elliott, six games for actions with one woman. All these kind of things. I think they gave Kareem Hunt eight games for kicking a woman or whatever it was. I mean, come on. How on God's green earth does this guy get on the field? Does the NFL put this guy on the field this year? Really? I just don't see it. I don't see it. I, I was thinking eight games. Now I think I don't see him getting on the field this year. With all these accusations, with this behavior that continues to resonate in every single bit of news about him. Now, again, financially, he'll be fine. He can miss the whole year, make $45 million, highest average in the league. Brown sold their soul for this player. Okay. My last rant on this feisty Brant's rants today uh, on this Wednesday, June 8th is about golf. We're at a crossroads in golf. The PGA has sort of been the league. Now, we never think about an upstart league, a competitive league. It, it wouldn't have anything close in basketball and hockey and baseball and in football. These other leagues are playing now, USFL. I haven't watched one minute of the USFL. I'm not going to watch a minute of the XFL whenever that starts. They're just not competitive. There's no way in the world. And if they tried to be competitive, they would go out of business. Golf's different. We now have the LIV Golf Tour Saudi-backed. That's the key information that people seem to focus on, which means unlimited resources. And they're buying up the best golfers and they're having them play. And the PGA is at a crossroads. They, have not, they do not have the resources to compete. Now we have two of the biggest names in golf, Phil Mickelson getting a reported $200 million. Dustin Johnson reported $125 million to play on this tour. Now, this tour starts this week outside of London, and this tour has tons of names. Those two, of course, Lee Westwood, Sergio Garcia, Graham McDowell, Kevin Na, a lot of other big-name golfers. And they're going to keep playing. Now, Kevin Na has resigned from the PGA, and that's going to continue to happen because the money's bigger over there. And it's guaranteed. So now we're getting into, we just talked about Watson guarantees. The LIV Golf Tour is talking about guaranteed money for these players. So it's happening, and they're defecting. And yes, Saudi-backed Saudi money. But hey, do we follow the EPL, the English Premier League? A lot of Saudi money there. Do we follow F1, which is ex exploding in interest in this country? Sure, a lot of Saudi money there. 
And eventually, do we think Saudi money is not going to come into American sports franchises? I don't believe it's going to stay away. Someone's going to allow it in and the floodgates will open. This brings up the aspect of individual sports that people don't seem to realize sometimes. They're independent contractors. There's no guaranteed money. If they miss a cut, they go home. At They're paying their own expenses. There's no guarantees. Now, again, you have exhibitions that people pay a ton of money to, to hit with someone or, or uh, do a foursome, but, and, and you can make a ton of money doing that. But the PGA, and the PGA isn't even the major. So the U.S. Open comes out and says, anyone can play in the U.S. Open. It doesn't matter. So these guys, Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, et cetera, they'll be able to play in the U.S. Open. They just maybe won't play in some PGA events. So the Live Golf Tour and Phil Mickelson, Greg Norman, Dustin Johnson, they've called the bluff of the PGA. Now we got a real, a real crisis point for the PGA. How are they going to deal with this? It's a tough one. What do they need? First of all, they need more resources, meaning more money, more guaranteed money to the top players. You know, there's no CBA, right? They're, these players aren't violating team or league rules. They're free agents. This is fascinating. One to watch for the future as the live, and I'm saying that right, LIV Golf Tour starting in London this week, backed by Saudi money. Serious. It's serious. It's real. And as Terry Hatcher said in Seinfeld, they're real and they're spectacular. We're going to watch it. Okay. Those are my rants this week. I hope you love this podcast. If you do, please share it with a friend. If you want to support the podcast, uh, my Venmo, Andrew-Brandt-20. I have the newsletter every Sunday morning. Andrew-Brandt.com is how you get it. I have a sports business league where I do a daily video for people interested in weekly meetings that we all get together on zoom go to andrew-brandt.com slash sbl for sports business league twitter andrew brandt instagram where i'm doing reels about this stuff go to my new instagram andrew brandt two share the podcast with a friend as i said and give us a rating if you would if you like it i hope you do apple podcast rankings and comments are always appreciated Thanks to my producer, Brian Neal, and my music producer and son, Sam Brandt. I'll be back next week with another edition of The Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.